Big shots. Davis to reply. Yes, he hits a three. Three three-pointers in quick succession at either end of the floor. The Rocks have it now. Durham brings it across mid-court. He's getting harassed by Evans. They still have fouls to give Cheshire. Here's Sloan to the basket. Out to Oilers. Sloan in the corner for the win. Oh! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gladcast Basketball Podcast, the podcast all about the Caledonia Gladiators. We are on our first kind of proper pre-game or home game pre-game show and we are joined as usual for these by Mitchell. Mitchell, it's game week or it's night before game day. How are we? Oh, we are very excited here at the the Amphitheatre and Playsport. We wouldn't think that... It feels like we've been in this preparation period for months, and finally we're getting our first home game of the season. And uh, yeah, everyone is excited. We've got half the team still in here working, and it's nine o'clock at night, the night before the game. We're all very look, much looking forward to our first chance to be in front of fans and our home crowd in our brand new facility. So, as you're saying, it's the first game at PlaySport. We're playing against the Surrey Scorchers. Surrey Scorchers have played two. They are, they've been defeated in both. They were defeated by the London Lions opening day of the season by 22. They then, at the weekend, lost, basically on the buzzer. They had a chance to tie it to go to overtime uh, to the Sheffield Sharks, who had been performing quite well heading into um, this. Last season, I'm going to say it, but probably doesn't mean much, out of the four games that we played them in the championship, we won three, they won one. They won. Um, we kind of blew them out through the three games and the one they won was a close uh, seven-point uh, win for Surrey. Surrey have a number of veteran players on their roster, names that a lot of kind of Gladiator fans and fans around the league will know from Justin Robinson, Andrew Lawrence, Josh Steele, Paddy Wang from last season, uh, former Rock Teo Ogadembe on their roster as well as they've got the return of Saquon Jameson to the league. Let's, we'll touch on Surrey in a minute, but Mitchell, let's talk about the amphitheatre and what to expect. The set, I was lucky enough to be in on Monday for the kind of media day, and what a brilliant facility we have at our hands. I will caveat this right now. There are still some developments going on, so what you see tomorrow will not be the final product. Things are still coming. But what I can say is, out of any of the games I've been to in the last few years, the production in this game that's coming up and what we're offering to our fans going forward is one of the best I've experienced in the league. It will be all light, all guns blazing, lights, lights, everything. It's going to have everybody's going to be there. Um, we're actually looking at a near sellout crowd for the game as well. Um, and that's amazing. So we're talking about Thursday night basketball, East Kilbride. 16, I was going to say 16,000. <laughs> 1,600 people uh, filling out the new facility on a Thursday. I think it's pretty amazing. Uh, we've seen crowds around the league to start being a bit up and down. So it's 
oh, being a Thursday night is a, it's an amazing start. Yeah, it shows you the excitement of the fans and in the community in the area uh, that the impact we're having already within East Kilbride and the surrounding towns. Our name is out there. We're having that reach, and fans want to be here. And hopefully, if we get some wins under our belt at home and have a good show, we're putting on for our fans. They'll keep coming back, and we'll have more people want to come. And hopefully, beyond that, we have a very good fan experience from the minute they step into the fan zone and they have the opportunities to buy our merchandise, to get food and drink on site. We've got a number of other pre-game events going on as well on the build-up to the game, which means that it's not just you're arriving and waiting for the game. There's stuff going from the minute the doors open to the minute we get into the arena for the match itself. And it was one of the things walking in on Monday and seeing the place fully open, uh, having been in at different stages for the build, it was just amazing to see it come together. And I suppose for you guys, seeing it kind of slowly tick by to the test events and to the behind closed door games to the now. And obviously it still is in parts a bit of a building site, but not really like the practice court's almost done. Hey, let's just touch on that. We have a bloody practice court next <laughs> to our main court. We like, do, yeah. Like, I'm going to say this on this, and if it gets a reaction, brilliant. It's bigger than Bristol's tone main arena anyway at the moment. It probably holds a slightly similar capacity, though. I'll say that much. <laughs> it's not, it, the core itself, the practice one in particular, is a really massive development for the club. Having that not only means that both the pro teams, men and women, can train at the same time, it also opens up the opportunities for our youth programmes as well. And it also means for community projects or anything we want to do pre-game, there's a second court available that we can use for community programs or if we involve schools. So it actually increases our reach massively to things way beyond just gladiators basketball, but to the community, to basketball in the whole of Scotland, theoretically. Think about what that could be used for in the summer when we don't have games. You could use that for camps. You could use that for small mini tournaments for clubs. There's such a versatile opportunity for basketball, not just domestically, but also potentially inviting teams over internationally, getting some teams over here. We had we had the opportunity to go to Belgium this year on the men's side. The women's team went to Spain. What are the chances we can maybe ask those teams to come over here and play games in preseason? There's the possibility is there. I think it's just when you look at the whole facility and from basically starting six months ago, for this all to come together is just through the kind of brilliant work of so many people within the organisation, obviously the financial support of the Timonies, to get it to where it is. And to think it is only the first part of the journey mm. for it is a really impressive and incredible feat. Um, one of the things, another thing I was just impressed with, the simple things, simple things please me, Mitchell. No longer is it a pull-out-the-wall basket or a drop-down from the ceiling. We've got four proper basketball hoops. We've actually got, we actually got eight. So four We've got eight proper <laughs> basketball hoops. So there's four that are the full, full, all guns blazing sports sense ones. The ones that you'll see in most high level professional events. You'll have four of them, so two per court. So two for the practice, two for the main court. We've got four additional nets on top of that, which means that potentially you can have four nets per court, means for youth programs, for development programs. That is a massive opportunity to have more contact with the basketball. It's, it's it is incredible. It's you're, you think you're just think, blowing me out. You're blowing me away further, Mitchell. <laughs> it, is, it is mental to think that 
there's where we were six months ago, that where we're playing that game for context for our listeners, that was a derelict trampoline park. There was a bunch of trampolines in there, there was rubble in there. Aside from that, there's nothing to speak of. That is now completely evaporated and vanished from air to now become two high level and high quality basketball courts for a, a two teams that are competing in Europe. And a, and a club that is aspiring to be very competitive across all age ranges to be the, one of the best in Scotland, if not one of the best in the UK, and potentially be, make a significant dent in Europe eventually down the line. And my final kind of geeking out on all this was, uh, I think I kind of forced my way into seeing the changing rooms on Monday, knowing that the players weren't seeing it till Tuesday, but I was like, I want to see these. And just and even the detail change from Monday to Tuesday and what was continuing on, you can tell by the videos that and the content shared by players on both teams how proud they are to call that home now. Like the amount all of them are sharing content on social media, all of them were looking and pr- being proud to have like their name and number above their jersey, their space. And I think this is something in sport in this country or in this league we might take for granted because we don't often see the changing facilities. It's normally worse than what some high schools would be. Oh, So seeing sure. this now, and I never saw the away changing rooms. I'm hoping they're really low ceilings, like five foot ceilings. <laughs> the toilets don't flush. The showers, only one shower works and it's cold. But no, I doubt, I'm joking. That's what every other venue has. But it's just amazing to see. Honestly, the level of detail into even that and the pride of like, the captain's choosing where people are going to sit. I think that's just amazing. Yeah, and I think credit to everybody involved behind the scenes in that, that the quality and consistency across the board for everyone, every every element of game days, every element of what, how the club operates and what we need to run has been considered. I mean, you mentioned the away team change rooms and we've also got additional change rooms for dancers, for referees, for mascots. And it means that, you have this space that is as a good quality of everything that's coming in, and as most teams will understand, most clubs will know the away change rooms aren't necessarily as nice as the home change rooms, but that's standard practice. It's just how it is with most clubs. But that doesn't mean we're giving them the worst of everything. The qual- what they're getting in their space is a good space to work with, and it is pretty commendable compared to what we we could be getting in other facilities so i'm hoping we'll get plenty of feedback from other teams when they do come and visit us which means we can then take that on board and develop it maybe not necessarily for the amphitheater but when the main arena comes in four or five years we know okay what do they expect how do we improve what we already have and as you said this is the first phase this is just the practice court and the play court this isn't everything else that's coming within place work you're talking about a dance studio, a strength and conditioning gym specifically for the athletes to use and various other elements throughout the whole facility that are going to be available for our fans throughout the whole time we're here. Right. So on Monday, as we said, it was media day. Uh, I was able to catch a word with owner Steve Timoney. So let's have a, hopefully, if my tech savvy skills work, we should now hear what Steve has to say. We are joined by Steve Timoney on almost the middle of the court, but not really, at the new Gladiators facility. Steve, this must be quite a big kind of day or a couple of days for you, um, opening this place and this dream kind of being realised. How is those emotions? 
I can't tell you. I'm, I'm as high as I probably was after the trophy final, winning and struggling to come back down off the height. Where's Sean running around? Is he not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sean might run around us again. He might trip. Well, you know, he'll certainly no trip over cables because it's a very clean court. But it's lovely. It's, it's amazing. I mean, myself and Ali are just back from holiday, and of course, Ali created every single detail of everything you see in here, uh, including the fan zone. And, and to see, actually, it's quite amazing because the, the 3D walkthroughs we, we, we sort of put as a wee teaser on are almost exactly the way it looks and you never really see that you know people send you 3ds and then you come and see it and you think well it looks nothing like it's 3d it's exactly like it but uh, i'm stunned i mean there's a presence about it already i think to be honest with you and we had uh, the test event yesterday and boy this is a noisy facility yeah, so brilliant. i'm looking forward to the roar of the crowd i really am and it's amazing or what do you think it's going to come across like with the sky here and the sky game on thursday night you're going to have the whole eyes of the kind of british game on you that must be also quite exciting yeah, because I think we've raised the bar, to be honest with you. I mean, the, the facility is fantastic, there's no doubt about it. The quality of the playing service and the quality of all the kit is, is absolutely top dollar because we wanted to give our players the best place to play. But I think the fan zone's quite unique. I'm, I'm hoping that our, our fellow owners will come when they'll, they'll travel up when they come to plays up here. They'll see the fan zone, they'll go away thinking about something like that themselves because I think that's a real breakthrough in basketball. I think what the fan zone does is the, the whole idea behind it is to collect the fans into one place to create a real boom in energy levels and a boom in noise and bring them through here 30 minutes before tip-off, sit them down and that energy transfers to the floor. But in reality, what, what happens in here, and we've seen it yesterday, is fans will know roughly who each other are because they've been a lot of them have been loyal for, for quite a lot of years. But they start talking to each other. Their kids start playing together. They start getting to know each other. They start yeah. talking about games they've been to. And so what, what's happening with the fan zone is the fans are becoming part of the family. And the amazing thing yesterday was the, the male and female players were walking amongst the fans and they were absolutely in awe. Uh, they were signing autographs, they were taking photographs. So the fans are feeling now that you know they've got open access to these players and, and all our players are excellent the fans. They spend a lot of time with them. So the fan zone, it, it came out of Ali's head. I knew, she, I knew she was thinking deeply about the effect they'll have on the play. Uh, and if we can keep that energy from the fan zone into the play and kick off with the intensity we, we always seem to do well when we kick off with an intense uh, energy at the start of play then I think uh, it's going to be worthwhile not not just for the play on the floor but for building the dedication of our fans You know what as well from just looking at this place it's the, it's the simple things of having like a proper basket rather than just one that drops down from the ceiling it's, just, it's the detail to it all you know the amazing thing I was talking to some of the girls yesterday and they said the hoops here are scoring hoops now I've never played basketball in my life so I've no what idea what does that even mean <laughs> what does that even mean I'm thinking that they know all the same size of their hoops but I didn't realise in fact that as they travel around the various places they travel to that the hoops are of quite a, a different quality and are not particularly conducive to a good, playing a good game of basketball but they love these hoops they're proper top ends you see the scoreboards you can see the shot clock everything's proper top end here and, and the girls and the men I was a wee bit worried because we build this big facility, this court has been covered with ply since it's been put down so yeah. it didn't get damaged and we'd never tested how it was to play on because I hear there's things like dead spots and all that, I still don't know what that means but I, I get the <laughs> idea. But the amazing thing is the men come on, the women come on, they played on it and they came off and I says what do you think, they says that is absolutely top end stuff and I, I love the fact that they feel that the court is of proper quality and when you look at how it's been painted up. And it's paint, by the way, it's no transfers. That's brilliant. I didn't really know what that meant uh, to, to people, but they see the paint as that's their home. It's not something yeah. that's been put together for their game and taken It's not away. something that's going to get ripped up, isn't no, it? No, this is going to yeah. stay. This, this will stay. This will never be ripped up for anything else. Basketball is a priority. And whatever else we do, whether we 
we let the other sports come in and play this. There'll be a hard shell that'll go over this. This will never come up this floor. It'll stay down and it'll stay permanent so there's no weaknesses, no damage to it. So I'm, I'm particularly proud that and tomorrow I do the custodian of the sword to open up our home season and the guys and the girls will see their, their dress rooms for the first time ever and I know that's going to be a bit special because Ali's put her heart and soul into oh, making the dress room feel like their sacred place if you like. So that'll it's be even quite a, a real. On the other side of that curtain, a practice court. And to me, that even just seeing that kind of blew my mind. You've got a two-court venue at the moment set up, ready to go for basketball. It's pretty um, industry-leading for this country. Well, you know, you know, it's amazing about the, the practice court. The practice court we said had to look exactly the same as this court. It's been painted up the same. It's the same baskets. It's the same kits. The same everything. Uh, and it's amazing, we laughed last night that away teams will turn up here and say, where's the seats for the crowd? Because we'll think that's the main yeah. court we're playing on because it's painted the same way before you come in here. But the idea behind it was when the players are practicing where it's, whatever court they're on, they're looking at the same picture, they're looking at the same baskets, they're looking at the same court layout and that kind of gives them that familiarity. Uh, and at the same time, when we bring the youngsters in here for the community to practice, they're going to be playing and not in the main court but on the practice court that looks like the main court and they're going to be inspired by that, it's going to look pretty special. You know? So, so on, on to the start of the season, we've obviously got the women's team our way to Israel in the next couple of weeks, but the men's team, their season's already started. It's been an OK start, a tough defeat away to London, uh, but what, what's our expectations for the season? I think uh, we've set some goals for, for Gareth and Miguel as to what we want to achieve and they're pretty, pretty lofty goals. The London game, I mean, I hate to say we, we kind of expected a defeat in London because I don't think we should expect defeats anywhere, but yeah, London at the moment, we, we've all heard all the talk in socials, etc. about London, but at the end of the day, I believe we've got to rise to London. We don't want to pull them back. We want to rise to be able to beat them, and so our ambition, I guess, if you look at the league, our ambition is to be second. There's no two ways about it. I think the women could potentially challenge for the title when you see them on their game, to be honest with you. Uh, but, you know... We cannot be scared of anything, we cannot be scared of London, and I don't believe we should moan and, and stuff about London being where they are. I believe we've got to try to get to that level and get the whole league up to that level. And To be honest, people came pretty close in the last few games. We took a bit of a hammer in, which Taylor uh, Gareth was disappointed about, but it, it wasn't a, a lot of people say it's the difference between the two teams. We just didn't play well on the day. You know, it was a slow start to the season. I've got confidence in my coaching team, I've got confidence in my backroom staff. We'll be right there to the death and we'll be right there for every final and we'll be you know, playing our hearts out. My, my job is not to coach, my job is to bring the heart and that fighting spirit out in them and that's why, you know, I'm, I'm a custodian of the sword and I'll hand that process over to try to, to try to bring that heart out in them when they need it. And I think that's something we've got, you know. The greatest thing about Scottish people, like me, I'm rubbish at every sport, but I've got the heart of a lion <laughs> and that seems to carry me through, you know, so I'm trying to make sure some of that rubs off in the players. So Steve, this is awesome. Uh, good luck with everything in here. And yeah, good luck for the first proper game on Thursday. Well, thanks very much. And let, let's see if we can truly make uh, Scotland a basketball nation. We've did everything we said we, we would do so far, and I think people are even surprised with that. We said we'd give them an arena. We said we'd get into Europe. We're there. Now let's see if we could turn Scotland into a basketball nation. I'm confident we can. Awesome. So let's move on and let's talk about the actual game. You're saying it's going to be all basically a sellout. We're playing Surrey. We've touched on their past record. They've had two tough games, and probably they would hopefully have gone uh, this Sheffield game, especially the other way. What do you think we can expect from Surrey? Surrey are, as you've already mentioned, they're going to be a very interesting team and a challenge for us. We obviously we haven't played in 
10 days, basically. Our last game was against Freiburg in the Champions League qualifiers, and unfortunately, that didn't go to plan. So now they've had a lot of time off to prepare, to review how they played, figure out what they did well, what they didn't do well, and what steps you have to take. Surrey are not a team you can take lightly. We learned that last year, because the first time we went down to Surrey, we didn't even consider them a threat, and they, they whipped us. They made us look stupid, to make it, put it bluntly. And we have to come out the gate strong. One, because it's we're... Especially because they all want to be the first team to win in that place. Exactly. Exactly the point. I remember, I remember the chat with the previous one of the previous GMs a while ago about the first game we had in the Emirates. And the first game in the Emirates was, I believe it was Cheshire? No, it was Newcastle. It was in Newcastle. And we lost that game, didn't we? They whipped us. Uh-huh. So this, as as our owner Steve Atelier likes to say, this is our bit. We've got to protect this. So we have to start with a win. So for that to happen, our guys have been working incredibly hard over the last 10 days to learn and educate themselves better on what they did well, how they can improve, and how to prepare. And I think credit to our games against London and Freiburg, in particular the starts of those games, you can see that our scout and our planning for the game is done at a very high level and it was done successfully at the start of the game. The challenge we have now is how do we adapt our performance when the game plan changes? Surrey, we kind of we know as because a lot of the players are veterans or have been around the league or have been around British basketball for a while, we know what to expect from a number of them. But we don't know what game plan Lloyd Gardner is going to bring. We don't know what to expect in terms of what matchups are going to play, how are they going to mark us defensively, how are they going to run their system. We don't know because they've only played two games and it's hard to get a full understanding of a system in that time. We have some idea, but there's a lot more footage on us than there is on them right now. Yeah, more- something that we kind of spoke on before we started, like Surrey's a massive unknown still. They've played against London, which people might discard and look elsewhere. They've played against Sheffield, of which people will be getting to hype up and uh, podcast on BTR still protects Sheffield to be last. But anyway, <laughs> on Surrey... They are the Sheffield are better than what I thought they'd be, but anyway, Surrey though they shoot a lot of threes. They mm-hmm. take a lot of threes, and looking at this, some of their guys haven't made that many, but that could change. So it's going to be a really interesting game. They've got the inside presence of Shaquan Jameson. I'm a massive fan of Jordan Hunt as well as their big guys. However, I feel we've got two guys that are equal if to make them not have such an efficient night. Mm-hmm. They, I they, they I brought in an important Quinn Cooper who from his some of his stats abroad was a three-point dynamo he's shooting less than 25 percent from three mm-hmm. they've got experienced scorers and Justin former MVPs of this league Justin uh, Robinson and Andrew Lawrence both GB internationals both guys that have been around the block and it's going to they're going to be an interesting team, team to see mm-hmm. how they do it on the flip of that, you've got someone like Saquon Jameson averaging over five offensive rebounds a game because they're missing so many threes. So it's going to be such a compelling matchup. And I suppose when we look at on the flip side of that from Surrey, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Lloyd lines up with them. Look, they so far, and this is when you can tell when a team's not had a massive preseason in terms of preparation. Like I think they played Plymouth and maybe one other team. I think they might have played Bristol. All, all their guys, Barkham Gooden, 
are all averaging like 20 minutes. There's very few guys less or above 20 to 25 minutes. Okay. And that tells me a team that are still trying to find out their identity and get up to, to, to pace. So it's going to be interesting as a team, they shoot 17% from three, 69% from three throw. They turn the ball over 10 and a half times in the game. And this is what you said about how we're going to play. Our intensity over the first kind of couple of quarters we've played has been phenomenal. Mm -hmm. The issue comes when that has to try and transfer into being a full 40 minutes. Um, we've seen the impact of Clifton off the bench. Um, hopefully we'll see the step up in performance from Farrell. Um, but yeah, let's touch on our guys. I've started doing that without asking you first. But what, what do you, from an individual basis, who should we look to stand out on? So for Surrey's end or for us? Let's go both. You go, okay. go Surrey first. Who are you let's excited go, Let's go Surrey, Surrey first. I think your pick of Saquon Jameson is a very smart choice. If more Less because of the offensive rebounds he's had so far, but more so about our weakness on defence so far has been our defensive rebounds at times. And if we're not rebounding the ball well, that's a perfect opportunity for him to come in and steal some. So the rebounding has to be tough for us, and he's going to be a guy we need to keep an eye on. One guy we can't overlook is Paddy at Wang. We saw his impact for, for Surrey last year. And as much as he's still at times a bit volatile, shall we say. A guy loves to steal it off the rim. Not, yeah. not through the basket, off the rim. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he he is very lots of energy, very dynamic player, and to be fair, I I think he's quite not as I think he's kind of underrated defensively just because of his length, but I think we match him quite well. If you think about who we've got on the wings to kind of slow him down, I think we should be okay. And the most important thing for us is we, if we get Wang in foul trouble early, he's out the game. We we saw that happen against Sheffield. We saw it happen against London. If he gets in foul trouble. He's a non-factor in the game. Yeah, he struggles. Um, I think another one to keep an eye on, I think you've mentioned um, Quinn Cooper already as a shooter. And I think that he's one that, even though he's shooting 25%, we know from previous experience, if there's a guy that's got a reputation as a good shooter, all it takes is one. Once he's got one, then the rest will follow. So we have okay. to make every shot as difficult as possible for him. Um, outside of that, the... One that, I mean, you've got lots of veterans on that team. You look at Andrew Lawrence, Justin Robinson leading the, from the one spot. Josh Steele's been in and around the league for a while. And to be fair, he only came on for the, at the end of the game against Sheffield. I really clutched three to send it to overtime. Um, that was his first points of the game. Um, one that many of our um, fans up in Scotland will remember is Teo Kadembe. He's had very good games against us and for us. And even as he's as he's getting older, he is still being a factor off the bench, and he's he's physical. He he's make... also majorly changed his game. Fans of Tail when he was here, he was still the athletic high jumper, dunker kind of guy. Mm. He's now a massive three point threat in the corner. Mm -hmm. And that's and, his last... and it also just shows you how clever a player he is to adapt to stay such a big part of a team. Mm -hmm. So let's let's move on. Let's talk about our team. What? Mm -hmm. What should we expect, or who are you hoping to have a big game for the start of the kind of home season? I think in terms of our game, rebounding needs to be a priority to make sure that if they're shooting all these threes, these rebounds are coming into our hands. So on that note, I think we saw flashes of excellence from Trent Buttrick before he got injured in Fry against Freiburg. 
So I would expect him to have a very big game. And if he, I think there's a very good chance if he gets going early, we could see double-digit rebounds from him early. That will be a priority for him. We're all waiting for Farrell to have his big game. He's he struggled early. He's not he's not had the best preseason, and he'll admit himself his rhythm has not been there yet. But from a guy that's that experienced, that much knowledge of the game, it's only a matter of time before he finds his groove. And this could be the game to do it against a team that, as much as they are good rebounders and they can be quite physical, that plays right into Farrell's hands. That's what he likes. He likes that physicality, and this is a team that will challenge him on that front. From the guard spot for us, or the forward spot, I mean, the, the constant threat is Patrick Whelan. Um, but I do wonder if maybe this is a game where other guys will step up because Surrey will probably prioritise Patrick as a major threat. They'll look at him and think, OK, we stop him, we're good. What, they don't, what they're probably forgetting is we still have Lucas Poliza, who will probably be mm. starting, who... Yeah. As the season's gone on, he's found his rhythm for shooting, and I will say, on these new rims, he's lights out. <laughs> not, I can't even exaggerate that any more than I have already. And backing him up, we've got Fraser Malcolm, who is just as consistent, if not better, this year from the three-point line. And when so, whenever Lucas needs a break, you've got an equally good three-point shooter coming off the bench. From the one, Ian is getting his groove, and he will be a threat early. One player I want to keep an eye on is Mihailo Jovicic because if we get a good game from him, we will be we should be in really good stead. His weakness has been so far he's not been as aggressive as we need him to be. If he has that aggression early against this team, I think that that will draw him so much more eyes. They, they have to respect his shot now. We know he's got a good mid-range when he wants to shoot it. We just need to encourage him to do that. And no doubt having our home fans behind us will help with that. Yeah, and I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Like you basically named half the team there, but <laughs> two guys. I want to say two other guys that just kind of we kind of touched on Clifton Moore. Clifton is to me come in and accelerated and progressed our fi- our five man import slot from last season. Um, he's aggressive, a brilliant rebounder, seems to be more athletic, and he's legit massive. <laughs> like he's legit massive. Yeah. Like that's what. Like he is legit coming on the floor or walking through doors and having to duck. He's yeah. not like a import where he's adding a couple inches on just because of whatever. He is legit that size. Yeah. Someone else I'm excited to see on in a Gladiators jet, uh, jersey at home is Kyle Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, when I heard that his name was coming here, I was massively excited. I know he got a bit hurt pre-season, which has probably slowed down his court time to start the season in terms of league action, but also Champions League. I thought in that kind of cameo in the kind of Champions League game, he was he showed he showed how good a defender he can be. Mm-hmm. If we're needing a guy to defend the two or three to kind of help, say it's Pat Whelan or whoever, mm-hmm. Kyle Johnson will do that Matt job. He'll fill his role wherever he needs to on the court. And I really thought might not offensively been there, but defensively he was superb. So I think between us, we've near enough covered the whole team. I think we've covered about half, I think. We're 7 or 12. I mean, fun fact about Clifton. So he's listed at 6'11". His wingspan, 7 foot 3 and a half. Like, this guy cheap. is long. <laughs> he is, like, if he doesn't grab a ton of rebounds from all those threes, if the misses anyway, we're, he's not having a good game. Uh, Kyle, I agree, his impact off the bench has, has been missed, I think, while he's been injured. And I think... 
when he comes back in the rotation consistently, which he very much probably will be for the Surrey game, like he's a good defensive threat. He's got a he is quite a he's got a good offensive game. We've got to give him credit for that. He's respectable. He's not a guy you can sag off of all the time. You have to respect his shot because we saw what he did in Newcastle last year, and I, you've mentioned it already that he's been the most consistent player for that squad last season. Um. I think that's one thing he brings is a consistency. When you put him on the court, you know what you're getting and he knows what he can give you. And it's just, um, Mitchell, um, it's, it's putting aside this game, just being able to get into a basketball-specific owned by the club facility. Ahead, with this game, it's on Sky Sports, it's going to be such a compelling and interesting game in season ahead. We've obviously been away from home for the first two or first our first two games and also away to Europe. Tell us as well. We're obviously heading into a European campaign. Um you've you've been in the fortunate position to have travelled with the team to Turkey and to Belgium. How do these facilities compare? Oh it's they're they've all been very different in different ways. So Ustend in Belgium is a very old style arena. Like you walk into it and you feel the age of the building. The top, the top row was filled with the banners of the wins, in the league and the cup. You see, you feel the history in the place just by being there. Antwerp Giants. We only went to their practice facility, not their actual stadium. Oh, but, uh, but you go into there and that's very modern, very state of the art feel, um, very spacious. The kind of weights facility right next to the court, so they could easily to their practices. It was a very nice, very modern feel. And then you go to Turkey, where we're playing in a facility which holds about ten to 12,000 people, and that's for a Turkish second division team. And if you think, think about that, that's like a team in, say, the National League, the NBL in England, having a 10,000-seat arena. Like, that's crazy to think. And that venue has been used by the Turkish national team before. Um, it's used by FIBA on occasion when they go to that area. It is a very good stadium, but it's again, everyone's been very different in very different ways. You can, I think the that stadium we went to in Turkey very much felt like an event stadium. It felt very much like we're there playing games and then we're departing. Ustend and Antwerp felt like home for those teams. And our facility is having the same vibe for me. It's kind of combining a bit of both. So you're getting the modernness of the Antwerp Stadium with the homely feel and the history coming over that you had from its end. And this is just us getting started. That's the best thing about it. This is just the last thing. Food. Last thing I want to ask then. Last thing. I can the excitement is oozing out of you. It's twenty past nine, but I need you to have this energy tomorrow, Mitchell. So I, will. <laughs> I can guarantee that I will. So there's obviously a vast amount of people that have already been in for the kind of test event. What for those maybe listening and for those around the kind of the British basketball league kind of inner not inner circles but fans of wider fans who listen to this. What would make or not? What should they expect from a visit to this this new facility for basketball from the moment they walk through the kind of down through the doors down the steps? Yeah, what should they expect? From the minute those doors open, the momentum is building for that game. 
like from like the the whole thing of having scheduled elements from start to finish, from doors opening to the minute that ball tips up, it completely for me it completely revolutionises the, the fan experience for game days. I mean, I I actually got to go to the test event as a spectator, thankfully, and I got to see some of it firsthand, and you could feel the energy even in that setting where they're still testing elements out. Not everything was up and running at that point, but you could feel the energy building because everyone's getting excited for the game. Because you're kept into the fan zone rather than getting access to the court, you're communing with other fans, you're seeing all the energy from other people, and it's it's infectious. And as you're getting to the point of that game, you're like, there's no way it can live up to our expectations. I can guarantee you right now, it will. If you've been to any game in Scotland before for basketball, I guarantee you this will be the best one you've been to. The only close one would maybe maybe be a trophy final at the Emirates. That's the only one I can think of that I've experienced in Scotland in particular that even comes close. And even then, wider wider UK, from my experience of travelling with the team for games, this will be up there in one of the top, top two or three in the league of, if not the best, in terms of fan experience for game days. Nah, nah, you're, you've just said it's the best, so brilliant. That's all I need to hear, Britch, what's the best. That's all people want to hear. Uh, <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to be somewhat modest here, not... Well, this is, a, this is a hugely biased channel. <laughs> it is the best. Well, if fans that aren't coming to the game want a taster of what the venue looks like, not only can they watch the game, but in the pre-game, I actually, there should, should actually be, hopefully, a wee arena tour to show you the elements of the fan zone, the changing rooms, and the court itself. So if you're watching on Sky Sports Ryan coming to the game, you'll get a little taster of what a game the experience could look like if you came by. Brilliant. Mitchell, as always, superb having you on the on the show. To everyone listening and to those coming to the game, I suppose tomorrow, if you're listening to this on game day, going to the game or after the game, just because you wanted to listen to something. Thank you for listening. We're in opening doors for the first league game at the PlaySport for the men's team. We've got a women's campaign starting as well. We'll hype towards that over the next week or so with uh, a podcast with Miguel and Chantel Handy being recorded over the next few days. So, I'm at, Mitchell, you're going to see a lot of me over the next few days. You, sh- you should be very lucky. I can't wait. <laughs> so, yeah, Mitchell... Thank you for joining me and to everyone at home, thank you for listening.